Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Um, welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be exploring some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient systems of Kriya Yoga and Vedanta. These systems, of course, uh, are open to all, and they offer us the keys to the kingdom, the way to realize our essential self and then live in the highest way. We're going to look at why does the yearning to awaken even arise? And when it does, how can we find our way? And what is this about spiritual discipline? You know, why do we need that if the truth is we already are what we are searching for? So we'll look at how to bring our spiritual discipline, disciplined living into the avenue of joy and how we can live with higher purposes through yoga and Vedanta. Our topic today is Awake in the World, Self-Realization and Fulfilled Living. And we have the honor and blessing today to um, welcome Sri Swamini Swatma Vijinanda Saraswati, who is an accomplished scholar of Vedanta, a long-time disciple of Parampuja Swami Dayanand Saraswati of India. And for several years, she's led an active satsang community in the U.S., serving as spiritual director of Swami Dayanandaji's U.S. center, the Arsha Vigyana Gurukulam, based in Atlanta, Georgia, Washington, D.C., and Eugene, Oregon. You can find out more about Swaminiji at her website. That's arshavm.org, A-R-S-H-A-V-M dot org. And her classes um, can also be accessed on her YouTube page. Welcome, uh, Swaminiji. I'm so delighted you can be with me on Yoga Hour today. 
Thank you very much for inviting me. And before we begin our conversation about the truth of our lives and how we live it more dynamically, let's begin with a moment of centering meditation. We pause for a moment just to breathe consciously and to decide to open our hearts, our minds to the infinite, becoming aware that one reality is the source and the substance of all that is. We look around and we see many But when we come to open the inner eye of divine knowing and we come to experience the truth of our own being, we realize that in the midst of what we see as diversity is this one. One truth, one power, one presence. And so when we pause for a moment of meditation, we can simply remember that and we can even use one as our mantra. So breathing in, just affirm one. Breathing out, affirm one. So much of our anxiety, and really I would say all of it, comes from feeling we are separate, apart, alone. All the time we are swimming in the sea of God, of the divine self, the divine reality. So let us have one minute, one moment of affirming one. And let go of worry, let go of fear, return to that radiant truth of your own being, one with the one. And as we touch that peace within us, then we bring that peace. We invite it into the mental field and into the body. So just a moment of inviting the peace to permeate your body and your mind and feel it. And then decide you will take that peace with you wherever you go. And of course you can because it is within you. Paramahansa Yogananda said, take your portable peace with you wherever you go. So let that be our affirmation today. I will take this portable peace with me wherever I go. I will greet everyone with peace. I will be the presence of peace. Um, 
Swaminiji, it's just a delight to reconnect with you and have this opportunity to talk about the love of our life, <laughs> which is which is truth. And um, so, you know, on the Yoga Hour, we frequently talk about yoga and uh, of course in our Kriya Yoga tradition we're speaking about it as Paramahansa Yogananda brought this teaching of Kriya Yoga from India and you know he was of course uh, as a yoga master he was steeped in the um, philosophy um, that is uh, Vedanta and so it informed all of his teaching but we don't often talk about it on the program in terms of what Vedanta actually is and so you are the perfect guest to um, open today with just some insights about um, where did Vedanta come from what is it um, thank you that was one wonderful meditation you led and uh, we are happy about that. As far as the word Vedanta goes, it uh, in Sanskrit means that which occurs at the end of the Vedas. The Vedas, as we know, are the holy revealed scriptures of the Hindu tradition. And it is they are divided into two portions. The first portion is a treatise on desire fulfillment because the gamut of human desires is so much that it is even recognized by the scriptures. So the first portion is how to live a disciplined life and fulfill one's desires ethically without, you know, cutting into other people's rights and privileges, how to follow a righteous life. And after gaining a certain maturity with regard to this discipline and with regard to fulfilling one desires, understanding that indeed all desires cannot be fulfilled and in fact need not be fulfilled in order to have a fulfilling life, one becomes mature enough emotionally and spiritually to enter into Vedanta, the last chapter of the Vedas, in which the truth of the self as being whole, complete, free of any wanting, craving, longing, incompleteness, and limitless, and totally uh, content in itself is revealed. But to understand that, one needs a certain maturity. So the first portion of the Veda is not lost because it's the preparation. And then the second portion of the Veda, the last chapter called Vedanta, uh, uh, of which the Upanishads form a you know, primary part, that is for revealing the truth of the self that one really wants to be. Mm, thank you. This is just so beautifully, beautifully explained so concisely. It was such a huge topic. Um, and I know that is your gift. I've, I've heard you speak before. And um, so, you know, I think you've pointed out a really important uh, juncture that comes in our life, which is, and I love this about the Hindu teachings, teachings in Vedanta and Yoga, that 
don't um, say that our desires are wrong, but in fact, we should learn how to live in the world, how to fulfill our desires, and then pay attention because there comes a time when we realize that no matter how many desires we fulfill, no matter how successful we become, no matter how famous, no matter how many things we have, there is still um, something that is not fulfilled. And I think, you know, at that moment, um, it, a person becomes ready for the teachings of Vedanta. Would you agree? Absolutely. You have put it very well indeed. And uh, because... You know, whatever one desires is a spoof. It's not really the thing that one wants. It's like a child. You know, when a child is sleepy, it doesn't know that. And it says, I want to go out and play. I want to do more things. Although the mother can see that it is really ready (laughs) to drop to bed. (laughs) And, And so too with the inner children. So the inner child of every adult, and in in fact, we should say in their children, because there seem to be many of them, and all of them want to play in the world of objects and sensory delights, and not understanding that one is actually tired of these pursuits, then that's Mm. really not what one wants. One doesn't mm-hmm. want one more candy or whatever that represents for the inner child, one more, you know, accolade, one more something. And that's not going to do it because the uh, the the only desire is to be free of longing. That is mm-hmm. what is called the desire for moksha. All other desires are masquerades, like wearing Halloween costumes, and this is a good uh, time to talk about Halloween being the month of October. So mm-hmm. they, they look ghoulish, and they are all in costumes, and then one is scared of one's desires because they look monstrous, and... One is scared of fulfilling them. One is scared of not fulfilling them. But when we do the unmasking of all these masquerading, you know, parading desires, behind each costume is the original desire to be free of grief, fear, and longing. That Mm. is really the desire. And if it's not recognized, it it, uh, proliferates and it's... uh, Uh, distorted into all other desires. But when it is recognized, it is called Shubha Ichha. It is is a very beautiful moment of making a U-turn, turning Mm. towards oneself and the source and recognizing the desire for what it is. Mm. I love that description of a of a U-turn. And, you know, sometimes we, I think sometimes we discover it um, just as you have described, this longing, you know, to be free of, um, of our grief, of our longing, of our fears. Um, and we realize that as hard as we have tried, um, to find that freedom, the, what we have been doing is not the answer. Um, and I think also there's a, um, you know, a, a, an insight that perhaps we are looking for fulfillment or happiness that doesn't disappoint. And so there is that U-turn. But the interesting thing about making that U-turn is that we make it, I think, because we recognize 
um, the the nature of what is a world the world that is always changing and we're not going to find it there but when we make the turn i think most of us don't know really what we're going to find on the other is kind of a turn of faith or yes. um for some even just desperation you know but there's that <laughs> moment that you know we make the turn but we really don't know what what lies ahead um so talk to us about that moment of turning where you know it 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 involves so much trust and faith doesn't it Yes, it does. And also, like you said, desperation, because one, you know, the ahankara, the ego, tries everything to be separate, to be alienated from the whole, and to run its little parallel empire, thinking that it is the doer and the and the all-in-all, all, the, the chief, you know it's just the chief of grief that's all but still it doesn't understand that and it tries to run a parallel empire to that which already is uh unfolding in in the grand scheme of things there is already a flow in which to which one is already aligned nay from which one is never separate and that flow and that which which is manifest in the form of various infallible laws and orders which we call the creation is really non-separate from that which we call the creator so mm-hmm. therefore you know if one is not part of this flow one doesn't recognize oneself as part of this flow then the the temptation is to is to go away and start one's own little shop and that is the alienation and so that is what the u turn signifies is finally giving up and packing up this shop this parallel empire and just learning to be part of the flow and because mm. there is a flow there is a discernible flow there right now we see the flow of the seasons we see the flow of you know the day and the night the cycles and there is also cycles of uh, things that happen globally the things that mm-hmm. happen individually things that happen collectively communally so recognizing the flow as the you know as part of something that is not separate from me is the first step for this u turn that mm-hmm. i matter that i am part of something whether i realize it or not is is an important understanding and this is what one is this is what one is craving is to belong and if mm-hmm. one does not belong then one is left you know longing mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. or the other mm. oh beautiful beautiful description i was thinking um as you were speaking about i have a book of poems uh, which is about the journey and <clears throat> i titled the the book the sanctuary of belonging um because for me you know that is exactly the experience as you have described it that we make that turn um and it is the longing that 
pulls us, you know. So I always tell people, pay attention to your longing <laughs> because it, you know, it comes from the deep source of your being that's longing, you know, to return to your original wholeness, to be aware of, you know, that which you really are. And you have described so beautifully, I think, I don't know if you would say it that way, but this process of what is really surrender, you know, giving up the idea of separate self and becoming aware of what you so masterfully describe as a discernible flow. Um, and it, it takes uh, a kind of grace, I think, a moment mm-hmm. of, you know, becoming aware of... Uh, uh, although, you know, at some point in our life it becomes so obvious, but in the beginning it's quite subtle, don't you think? Uh, yes, it is. It is. Uh, but, you know, at the same time I would like to add a little caveat that it's not that the longing is only sensed by a chosen few or anything like that. One is hardwired to have this longing for moksha, for freedom from yearning, for freedom from grief, fear, etc. Because it's it's almost like, you know, a bloodhound. <laughs> you know, it doesn't need to be taught, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the, the, the canine unit. I mean, if somebody, you know, if an offender has been shot and has made his escape, all they have to do is make the make the dog sniff the little blood, a mm-hmm. uh, piece mm-hmm. of, you know, on a piece of handkerchief or something, and then it <laughs> takes off. And the <laughs> officer in command better have good biceps because, you know, they have to run mm-hmm. after the dog. And it will not eat or drink till it finds the offender, till it finds the source of the blood. So too, we are moksha hounds. We are, you know, hardwired to gain that which is the truth of oneself. It is, it is the original uncultivated desire, unlike other cultivated desires like cable TV or eating in a, mm-hmm. you know, some exotic meal in a restaurant or having any other kind of experience, which is a cultivated desire. This is an uncultivated desire like food, like shelter, like clothing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. like that. So it is it is uncultivated. It has been put there mm-hmm. by the flow, by God. And so therefore, it is, uh, you know, the fulfillment of that mm-hmm. desire is also available here and now it's not in some kind of an afterlife because you know if you tell somebody that's hungry you know the you know afterlife in you know there is a horn of plenty you know (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. you you just wait till you till till you die in the afterlife there is plenty of food you know they might send you in them you know if i tell somebody that they might send me to to my afterlife because they'll Uh, be angry so yeah, yes. the, the, the desire and the longing is right here, right now, and then the fulfillment is also available right here and right now, and that becomes the human quest, and this is gained, like you said, the second part of what you said is grace, and this is exactly what an ancient text called the Viveka Chudamani says, that three things are obtainable by God's grace. You know, durlab, very difficult to gain are these three things. Durlabham trayame vaitat daiva nugrahe tukam manushyatvam mumukshutvam mahapurushasam shrayaha. Difficult are in, indeed are three things to gain in this life without the grace of God. And they are gained only through uh, the grace of God. And all of them start with M. 
First is Manushyatvam, the human birth, through which I have free will enough to recognize that something is wrong with this state of affairs of constantly questing for the infinite, but then ending up pursuing the finite. This is what is wrong. And the second thing is Mumukshutvam, the freedom, the desire for freedom which is again now is gained through grace and through what we call purva punya through the meritorious deeds done in previous births and then finally to unlock this uh, desire one needs a key and that key is in the form of mahapurusha here uh, you know described as the guru because without the guru this this desire and cannot be unlocked and how to understand the truth of the self is also not uh, reachable. So these are mm. the three things which are gained by Bhagavan's grace, by God's grace. Mm. Thank you so much. We're going to um, take a break now and when we come back we can talk more about um, this presence of grace because just as you have described this yearning for moksha, this yearning for the ultimate freedom and to uh, wake up is innate to us all and so is divine grace available to us all, all the time. So we'll be back with you in just a moment to talk about that. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. A special guest today, Sri Swamini Swatmavijananda, who is a scholar of Vedanta, spiritual director of Swami Dainan's U.S. Center, Arsha Vigyana Gurukulam, based in uh, Georgia, Washington, D.C., and Oregon. And you can find out more about Swaminiji at her website, arshavm.org. And we'll be right back with you. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and uh, my guest today is Sri Swamini Swatva Vijananda. And um, we're talking about uh, the really the heart of the teachings of Vedanta and Yoga, the truth of what we are and how we come to know that. And in the first segment, Swaminiji was really helping us see that this deepest yearning we have, of course, is innate. And so there's a beautiful teaching that it's not, you know, some people have that yearning and others don't. Everyone does, and that brings mm-hmm. us really to the promise of these teachings uh, drawn from the Vedas, which is that everyone will wake up. We're destined to wake up because, as you said, we're hardwired for it. And so at mm-hmm. some point, you know, we begin that. Uh, I like, you know, I kind of think of it as a journey home, you know, to realize um ourselves and yeah. uh, i was i was looking at a uh, some uh, quotes from swami vivekananda and this beautiful one that says um what are these ideas of religion and God and searching for the hereafter? <laughs> Why does man look for a God? Why does man in every nation and every state of society want a perfect ideal somewhere, either in man, in God, or elsewhere? Because, he says, because that idea is within you. Mm-hmm. It was your own heart beating, and you did not know. You were mistaking mm-hmm. it for something external. It is the God within your own self that is impelling you to seek for God, to realize God. After long searches here and there, in temples and in churches, in earths and in heavens, at last you come back, completing the circle from where you started to your own soul, to find that the one for whom you have been seeking all over the world, for whom you have been weeping and praying in churches and temples, on whom you were looking as the mystery of all mysteries shrouded in the clouds, is the nearest of the near, is your own self, the reality of your life, body, and soul. That is your own nature. Assert it, manifest it. And so we have that, um, you know, the beautiful way, if we read the teachings of Swami Vivekananda, he, he, he generally does that, I think, you know, he'll say, <laughs> okay, this, is, this is what you are, now live it. Yes. And, and that's, that's really it, isn't it? So it's, you know, it's making that turn, waking up, saying, okay, this is what I really am. This is the nature of life. And now, how do I live that? And uh, in the last segment, we were talking about grace. And so perhaps uh, that's a factor that helps us along. Um, but how would you say... Uh, Swaminiji, that we, you know, once we get this, um, and I think that awakening can, the initial awakening can come pretty quickly, you know, when grace mm-hmm. uh, makes it possible and we, we hear the truth, we see it, we experience it, but then living it is, of course, another matter. So yes. <laughs> tell us about <laughs> living um, the truth of our being. Uh, yes, you know, the grace... As you said, you know, it is constant. It is there. 
my guru would always talk about it as an underwater uh, underground aquifer it is you know it's like under underground water it is there and it has to be tapped into it is not something that is dispensed uh, because then that would you know give rise to a concept of a god that is partial so here grace is there it has to be tapped into and that tapping into is is part of the life's work and the veda describes three kinds of uh, graces the first one we have you have already alluded to the grace of god we have talked about that that it is very much there it is uh you know all the meritorious deeds done in the previous lives that one you know that that uh, results in opportunities for you know listening to a uh you know a radio show like this an opportunity for reading quotes like the one that you just cited and you know that is that is one one kind of grace and the other one we say is the grace of the teacher it's not that the teacher is again dispensing the grace but one when one is aligned with the teachings and you know and one surrenders uh, and gives up trying to solve one's own problem by oneself understanding that that's part of the problem uh, that is what we call <laughs> that's so beautifully said and I, so i just i just want to highlight that so many because that is a big place where we get stuck isn't it yes, that you know we're yes. going to we're going to solve this on our own and we don't right. recognize that it's the ego that's pushing 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 and also causing our own unhappiness it's the strangest thing isn't it Yes yes and you know i keep telling people there is no diy vedanta there is no do it yourself vedanta <laughs> <laughs> that's very, and and yet here's the conundrum because the message is of course you are it you are that divine self and so i find you know it is confusing and i remember it was for me in the beginning and it is for many students like you know it's like okay i got it you know now i'm just going to go and live it i don't need a teacher i don't need these constraints why you know if i am it why would i want anyone else to tell me what to do so i'm sure you recognize that juncture mm-hmm. um yes. and what is the medicine for it <laughs> <laughs> the medicine is the third form of grace called atma anugraha you know is 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 the grace that one brings in the the permission the ability to say that i i i know what i want to know but i really don't know it completely the the, the grace of being able to open up for help this is atma anugraha recognizing that the problem is myself and of course the solution also has to be myself but that journey from me the ahankara the ego to myself the the self that is revealed in the in in the upanishads in the latter portion of the veda that there is a little you know as though journey because you know because one is so identified with the body the mind uh, you know and one's little life and little miseries and and the littleness of it all that one is not able to accept the grandeur of it and the permission to 
accept this grandeur is atma anugraha which which includes the ability to let go of this parallel empire to let go of trying to reign uh, over this small little kingdom and to le- and to open up to the fact that i really don't know and i require mm-hmm. help and yes. so that is i think a an important um segue part of this journey mm-hmm. and i think you know an indicator is when i see students who are and i've been there myself so i recognize it when the surrender is what is needed um but you're not there yet the sur- uh, surrender feels very painful so yes. there's a crisis in that moment of you know uh-huh. grappling 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 it's very painful and there's not uh-huh. the awareness that surrender is actually sweet it's mm-hmm. like night and day you know when we let go but but of course you know people are so afraid of quote unquote losing themselves um and but that in a sense is exactly what's needed <laughs> we need to lose <laughs> ourselves like you know lose that shopkeeper uh mentality as you were saying we set up the parallel shop so we we need to close that shop and yes. um but but there's a fear then of you know of course well who will i be if i close that shop if i'm not that shopkeeper who will i be and uh, the answer is of course you will be your magnificent self but uh-huh. making that you know making that bridge going over that bridge um can sometimes be um a painful juncture where people i see them kind of going back and forth back and forth at that place like pacing or something i don't uh, know yeah. <laughs> you, you you put it very well you put it uh, extremely eloquently it is a, it is a back and forth because it's very difficult to have that trust that yes you know that this longing will be will be fulfilled because it is the only longing that i have and that trust is also part of this grace and we the name for it in sanskrit is shraddha and that trust is important to cultivate and that is where i help myself you know if there is diy in vedanta it is about discipline it is about getting to the place of openness for these teachings to take me it is about giving myself the permission to trust that i will be led properly and that my own trust you know will will show the way it's not unlike going into therapy you know my guru always used to say that vedanta is super therapy because <laughs> you see it's <laughs> you know when you go to the therapist uh when one goes into therapy you know the therapist can help you only as long as you validate the therapist it's very interesting it's not that the therapist is helping you you are validating the therapist in and giving the therapist the permission to help you so you first google the therapist and you say oh yeah they have helped so many people they have so many degrees they have so many pedigrees whatever and then you you just go to them you pay them and you just sit there and then you have full faith that they're going to help you because there's no other way and so same thing with the teacher with the teachings then you you the the extent to which you validate the teaching and the teacher is the extent that it is going to give dividends in the mm. form of reaching the truth of yourself and abiding that 
Mm, and I loved what you said about understanding this uh, grace, the, uh, the grace of the Atma, of the Divine Self, is allows us to give ourselves permission Mm-hmm. Uh, to let go. That's such a beautiful way to articulate it and a beautiful way to think about it. I was thinking about a story that's um, told about Paramahansa Yogananda that a devotee came to him one time who was, you know, struggling and um, and said, you know, Master, uh, I have this happening in my life, that happening in my life. You know, will you give me your blessing? Will you give me your grace? And mm. uh, Yogananda Ji said, you know, God's grace you have and uh-huh. my grace and blessing you have, but it is your own grace that you need. <laughs> yes. And um, so, you know, I've never heard it articulated quite the way that you did, which I think is so uh, profoundly instructive, you know, if we can understand that the grace that we have is the grace that allows us to give permission to live in a new way. We give ourselves permission uh, to yes. trust. We give ourselves yes. permission to let go of the struggle. That's what I see. Yes. You know, we give ourselves right. permission of, you know, trying so hard. And, you know, I think we've both been blessed, of course, with these, you know, divine gurus that mm-hmm. we have been able to study with. And, yes. you know, for me, watching my own guru just be in the world, it's I see him, it's like he, he just... Um, walks on grace <laughs> you know his yeah. countenance his countenance uh, brings it to my mind because there's never a sense of struggle or hurry or worry it's just a deep deep profound trust in life and how his life has blossomed you know as he has served so i'm sure that your own guruji uh Really, his life itself instructed you in what it looks like when someone lives in grace. So tell us about that. Oh, that was just such a privilege. I mean, you know, just like you uh, talked about just now, uh, the, the, the ability to live and be with one's teacher is really such a deep, deep privilege. And I had the good fortune of being able to travel with him for a period of five years all over the world. And I had a chance to see how he lived his life one-on-one, you know, in public, in private. And that was something beautiful. And just like you said about uh, Swami Yoganandaji, I saw that he, his life, my guru's life, Dayanandaji's life uh, was also completely unplanned. And it would just go from, it would just unfold. And he was in the flow in every minute in every mm. way, and it was just uh, uh, a wonder. That was mm. He was a wonder. His life was a wonder. And what was most wondrous was that he was able to communicate that and to all of us. It was not some kind of a mystic thing that was happening that everybody could look upon it adoringly, but it mm-hmm. was something that he was able to communicate, and he was able to, you know, do everything to teach to make you, uh, you know, just the same as he was. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, the greatest wonder. And the and it, and it was a lived Vedanta, an assimilated, mm. lived, ripened, you know, just like a ripened fruit falls to the ground naturally. That's what we saw in my guru, is that he was, he was ripe with the knowledge and he was living it, you know, breathing it all the time. 
it's a beautiful description, really, of the blessing that we have. And, you know, having a, a living guru, um, a teacher, you know, embodied, <laughs> that we can yes. actually see, well, what does it look like? Because it's mysterious. You know, what does this, what does this freedom look like? And, um, you know, it, it shows up in great and, um, what we would think of as mundane ways. And, you know, I, I had some opportunity early on, you know, to travel with my guru, G, uh, Roy Eugene Davis, who's a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, I don't even remember where we were going, but you know how you just kind of get these little teaching moments, these vignettes, right? Where the teacher, yeah like just pierces right through the veil, you know, right to your heart of deeper understanding. So we were in an airport and I don't know, is it the flight was delayed or something? And I started grousing about it. You know, I started complaining. Mm-hmm. I started saying, well, mm-hmm. you know, I just hate it when you have to hang out in the airport. I mean, here I was with my guru, right? <laughs> I'm complaining. <laughs> you know, I don't like these delays and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he just looked at me and he just kind of smiled sweetly and he said, well, the way I look at it is you always have to be somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, it was so clear and oh, so, nice. you know, if you're listening and, you know, that lesson has stayed with me my whole uh-huh. life now. You know, this was decades ago when he said that to me and it was, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in an airport or, you know, you're sitting in a beautiful forest. Your consciousness is wherever, you know, wherever you are. You have to be somewhere. So, you know, why not be there in the <laughs> highest way? You know, what is the, yes. what is the point of, uh, <laughs> of complaining? So <clears throat> having the opportunity to observe, you know, how the guru manages, um, you know, things like airport delays, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So many airport stories. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, exactly. So, um, besides the blessing, of course, of having a teacher who can guide us and show us what it is practically to bring this consciousness into, you know, whatever we're doing, um, you know, we have other tools, of course, that are given to us in the teaching. And, you know, a big one, of course, is to learn about uh, non-attachment. Um, I think that is a central teaching. So tell us a little bit about how you uh, shine the light on non-attachment as a practice. Yes, at the risk of driving away our listeners, because as soon as you say something like non-attachment, you know, people get very worried about it. Okay, what do I have to give up uh, in order to gain this? And already I feel pressed. If not pressed, I feel depressed about this. And so what to do? So, you know, to, to ward off that fear, I... I would say that the Atma, oneself, is already, you know, not not attached to anything. It is not connected to anything. In fact, it's the only thing there is. So, in, in to be to be attached means there should be something else of the same order of reality. But all there is is you. You are the only thing in the universe. So, in fact, there is no such thing called attachment at all on that level of, you know, paramarthika, on that level of absolute reality. And that is a good segue to remember this even on the level of the lived everyday empirical reality is that, you know, one may you know, own a lot of things. One may own a house. One may own, you know, 
whatever one things one has one may own a bank account or several of them one may own a corporation but there is a difference between ownership and possession and so one can own things without possessing them and and that is the that is the discipline to cultivate is that mm-hmm. you can have a lot of things and you know and i always say on a practical level that you know look around your house and see things that you are not using put them in a box don't throw them away or give them away put them in the attic and if you haven't thought of them for 6 months then you can make a trip to goodwill you know mm-hmm. give it away because you haven't missed it you don't need it all these you know knickknacks and things that one has accumulated so mm-hmm. you know that way you know that way one is always in the present you know because in the present you need something and you have that and then after that you don't need it and it's gone and so and that way one is always in touch with the non changeability of oneself and the changeability of the things that one relies on for you know creature comforts for whatever one needs in life so the atma is asanga a naturally uninvolved naturally unattached and so i help myself with uh, it's not about you know putting myself on some kind of a uh, you know material fast or something like that but it's more in the sense of an attitudinal adjustment with the things that i own Mm. and and i love the way you began with just start with the understanding that there is not something else i mean you're already yes. full already whole and i want to ask a favor of you um I, because as you were speaking about that fullness i thought oh it would be so beautiful to hear you chant as i think it's the invocation to the isha upanishad about um you know om purnam adha yes. purnamitam yes. would you chant it for us and then let's talk uh, about that absolutely Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyate Om Shanti 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 Hmm Thank you. <laughs> I knew that would be beautiful. <laughs> so, now please tell the our listeners what you have just chanted. Yeah, adaha means that. So that which is supposedly remote from me, remote in terms of understanding, that which we call God, that which is the whole, uh, you know, is limitless. Purnam means limitless, complete in itself. And this, the one that is chanting about it, talking about it, yearning about it, this, uh, you know, the owner of this body-mind-sense complex, the indweller, is also whole. so that which is the cause is whole and this body mind sense complex which is an effect of the five elements etc is also the whole and the the strange you know it's this is some kind of a vedantic mathematics uh, where when you take the whole away from the whole all that remains is that limitless alone you know all that mm-hmm. remains is whole and of course it's not spelt h o l e it's w h o l e so all that remains is whole because it's like when you take away you know something from infinity infinity minus 10 is still infinity 
infinity plus one is still infinity. And so if the self is infinite, which is what this, uh, you know, mantra asserts, uh, is, you know, then everything else, the body is an add-on, the mind is an add-on, the senses are an add-on, what to talk of other possessions. And uh, so we just enjoy what there is as an add-on because it helps me, the body becomes a vehicle, the mind becomes a vehicle for this pursuit, and that's all it is. It's, it's, it's a car you know which I drive to go places it's a very good yeah, yeah, exactly. And thank you so much for offering the chant. Uh, that is um, it's just a favorite prayer of mine. And, you know, when I contemplate it, you know, I think about how, you know, it is telling us that uh, about our own fullness, about our own wholeness that cannot be taken away. And I think one of the most essential keys to happy relationship, you know, we're talking about living Vedanta, living yoga every day. And this, for me, this prayer is the key to successful happy relationship because it says, in a, in a sense, you know, I bring my own wholeness into relationship with you, and you are already whole. So, you know, there's none of this, you know, better half kind of thing, like that person is my better half, or, you know, even we were talking about the the guru, our guruji. Um, it's not that the guru has something... Guru cannot, in my opinion, the guru cannot give us anything that we don't already have. And the reason, you know, we receive from the guru is because the guru is, uh, um, you know, sparking the fire already within us, the, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the luminous knowledge within us. So I love that prayer for that reason, that we, anytime we can bring our whole self, and this doesn't mean, of course, the whole ego self, which is... Uh, the big problem. It means the sense of um, being complete. So we don't need the other person to be a certain way for us, you know, to try and make us happy, to try and make us fulfilled, because we bring our own radiance into relationship. And uh, yes. do you see? Yeah. Mm. Very beautifully said. And if I can just add on to that. Uh, Please. You know, because, it's, because it's important to look at this mantra from the standpoint of, you know, uh, a, a everyday life. So if I can just add on to that, I would also say that if I find in the in in my lived relationship something wrong with the significant other or with whoever you know uh, with with the friend with the employer with the employee what vedanta would say is you spot it you got it so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically <laughs> it's basically triggering something that is unprocessed within the unconscious, within myself. So if I'm bothered by somebody's habits, it's not because that, you know, that it's it's an objective reality. The objective reality is Purnam. It's that everything is whole and complete. So it is a subjective reality that I am transposing or transferring or projecting and uh, onto that objective reality. So it's not Mm -hmm. that if they cease or desist from certain habits, I will become happy. It's just Mm -hmm. that those habits are problematic because they are pulling at the strings of something 
from the past hurts of my own which i need to look into and haven't yet had the chance so basically mm. so if somebody is reminding me of these kinds of habits i have to thank them i have mm. to thank them for being in relationship with them i have to thank them for uh, you know casting this light on all these shadowy parts of myself so that i can look at it and clean it up Oh, that's beautiful that we, you know, understanding this truth of our being brings with us a freedom, the highest freedom into our relationships and helps us, of course, discover more about our own wholeness and our own fullness. It's been such a joy to um, talk with you this morning, Swamini Ji, and I want to remind our listeners, Sri uh, Swamini uh, Satma Vidyananda Saraswati is the spiritual Uh, director of the um, centers in the uh, Arsha Vigyana Gukaram Gurukulam based in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Washington DC and Eugene, Oregon and you can find out more about her teachings at arsha a r s h a v m .org uh thank you again Swamini ji for joining me Thank you and, very much. Then <laughs> please I invite all the listeners to join me next week. I'm going to be welcoming Rolf Gates. He's the author of a wonderful book, Meditations from the Mat: Daily Reflect- Reflections on the Path of Yoga. Those of you who are listening in real time in October 2016, want to remind you that beginning in this month of October, you can join the 21-day uh challenge, 21-day sit-a-thon meditation challenge. Go to our website csecenter.org to find out about it. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour at iTunes or uh, Stitcher. And a great thanks to our wonderful Yoga Hour team, producer and regular guest host, Dr. Laura Trujillo, assistant producers Nita Kenyon and Ann Hayes, and always the wonderful Jeff Hayes, uh, Jeff Comfort, who is there in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. Thank you so much everyone. Bye now. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. a ministry in the tradition of kriya yoga the ancient science of self and god realization www.csecenter.org request free literature by writing info@csecenter.org Every moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true.
Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 